Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. All right, good morning, Thrive. How many had a good time at the Warrior Retreats? Woo! (laughs) It was an awesome time, and God really moved in power. And if you didn't go, uh, Lord have mercy on your soul. So, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, come chill out. (laughs) Relax. It's all good, uh, we, but we missed you, uh, and it was awesome. It was an awesome time. So speaking this morning is the spiritual father to me and many in the faith uh, across, really across the globe. Uh, he's helped plant churches. He pastored a church in Urbana for almost 30 years, and now he's the pastor emeritus there, and he's on the board at North Central University. He... Um, and among many other things, he's also uh, an adjunct professor there. Is that right? Yep. And many, many more things. He's known, uh, his, his name is Gary Grogan. He is known very much to me and many as Papa G. Please welcome Papa G. Thank you, man. <laughs> Look at that picture of me and Dave right there. Give me a hug, Pastor. Give me a hug. You're a wonderful pastor. Could we show our love and appreciation <laughs> to Pastor Brian? There's a lot of uh, church, gr- church growth experts out there, a lot of people who just want to work in a Christian environment in a church, but you have a God-called family to be your shepherds, and that's what we all need, and that's what we all want, not just a church growth expert, not somebody who's just a Christian working in a Christian organization, but a true shepherd, a true man of God. And uh, you have one there, only because Angela is such a good woman behind him. And every woman here knows that to be true. Uh, And I I love this couple. I love their family. They have done such a great job raising their children. And uh, if you're visiting today, I met a couple that's visiting today and perhaps others. But that young intern that quoted the scripture, that's one of their children. And isn't it great to see preachers' kids on fire? Uh, Just what a a great, great, great time we had. So good to see different of the men here, and uh, Adam and Chase, and just all you guys. And what a great time we had at this men's retreat. We had a time where everybody came through a prayer line, and people received prophetic words. And guys, if you haven't written them down, I hope you'll write them down. I'm not going to tell you who, but I had a real funny prophetic word for one of our brothers here, and I saw him riding on a horse in my spirit's mind's eye, and Holy Spirit speaking to my mind, and, and I said, stay in that saddle. Don't get ahead of God. I see the, the breeze blowing through your hair, and stay right there. So afterwards, I said, that was really a strange prophetic word. Do you know what that means? He goes, yes. I know exactly what it means, and I'm not sure I like it, but I know exactly what it means. And the Lord's just reminding me to be obedient. 
Uh, would you get a microphone ready for uh, Brother Dave here? But I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. And uh, Dave Reese is uh, a brother that came to the Lord a num- number of years ago, and it's been my privilege to be uh, his pastor and spiritual father, and he's seeking credentials right now. Uh, he already ministers, uh, has a huge burden for the Sioux Indians, the Lakota uh, Indians out at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, and you can just put the title slide back up there if you do that. Um, when he first got saved, pretty quick he got into prison ministry. Uh, he figured it was better to do ministry than end up there because that's the way he was headed in life. And you know, we all have our stories, don't we? Uh, my story is I don't remember when I gave my life to Jesus. I've just always wanted to serve him. I've always wanted to follow him. I do remember when I was Holy Spirit baptized, fourth grade, public school. My home church must have been teaching on it. My mother must have been reinforcing it in devotions at night with my two brothers and myself. And I was in the classroom by myself. I looked out the window. I saw a rainbow in the sky. We only lived a block from Higby School. And Lady, our little black dog, followed us to school every single day. The neighbor felt sorry for her, built a doghouse out there right by the swing set underneath the shade of the tree, put some straw in there. And I looked out the window to check on Lady, and there she was. I sensed the presence of God. How old are you in the fourth grade? About 10 or so. And I lifted my hands, and I began to pray in a language that I never learned. So I don't remember my salvation experience. It's just that I've always wanted to serve Jesus. I know that I'm born again. But I certainly remember my Holy Spirit experience. I love my relationship with the Holy Spirit. So today we're, we're talking about the Father heart of God. It's my responsibility today to get you to experience the extravagant love of the Father. A lot of Christians, especially in the West, we sing to the Father, we sing to the Son, but we ignore the Holy Spirit. We are Trinitarian. We believe in one God expressed through three personhoods, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet in the West, I've preached this gospel in 54 countries of the earth, and I've noticed that where the church is growing, where people are really what we call on fire for the Lord, they sing to the Holy Spirit. They praise the Holy Spirit. They worship the Holy Spirit. The deeper you go in the Holy Spirit, the deeper you'll go in the love of God. The more you'll understand the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and what he did for you on Calvary's cross, his vicarious death burial, resurrection, appearance, and ascension, and promised return. You'll understand all of that as you grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that there are many of you, like Dave Reese, you can remember the day that you really got saved. I mean, he, he, he went from darkness to light just like that. I mean, he went from addictions to freedom just like that. And he understood the importance of reading the Bible and Bible study. And he understood the importance of being a person of God's presence. He, he came to the church to pray so much, we gave him a key to the church. And when he can't sleep in the middle of the night, he'll go to church. And he had had his license revoked, you can figure out why. And uh, he would ride his bicycle how many miles to the church? About seven. 
about seven miles, I mean Tuesday night prayer meeting, Wednesday night verse-by-verse Bible study through the whole New Covenant, through the whole New Testament, Uh, Saturday night men's prayer meetings. We started a university of the word. We started a college level leadership college and and he was involved in that and services on Sunday morning and he'd ride that bike. He was telling me on the way up here that in the wintertime one time, he said, your wife is so sweet. I rode my bike. It was cold out and she went and got me some gloves. She was like a mother. I needed some gloves. And Uh, I really want to set the context of our scripture, but I want you to turn there. Luke chapter 15, in your Bibles, in your devices. Dave, before we read the scripture, would you just tell us about your relationship with your father and how that affected your life? And I just pray that all of us experience the love of the father today. Yeah, praise God. I don't have to ride a bicycle to church anymore. I got a full dress Harley Davidson. (laughs) <laughs> that guy was given to me. It's a beautiful bike. But I was always a wanderer and a vagabond, an orphan. And I was spiritually orphaned. And until Grogan got a hold of me and wouldn't let go of me, and I was resistant because I knew I needed God, but I had never experienced the pure love of the Father, the pure love of the Savior. But when that happened, it did something, and it set a series of events where now I'm the kind of dad that I need to be. Because I grew up in a world where my dad loved me, but he was mean and he was rough because his dad never hugged him and loved him. And I was able to make closure with my dad over that. But until you experience the love of the Father, it's just not the same. It's not the same thing. And so there's just something about the love of the Father when you start to realize you have value, you have purpose, that Jesus loved you enough to die for you. It's the most wonderful thing. There's no words to explain it. You just have to experience it. As we were worshiping today, I thought I was going to wake up in heaven, man. Come on now. It was wonderful. The presence of God, when you know that God has your back, that you're good enough, and that's the wonderful thing of the Lord. You're good enough. He loves you. And if you have not experienced that, I challenge you, push in. God, if you're real, who are you? And hang with your pastor. He's a good man because there are people who love you that will help you. Hallelujah. Let's hear it for Brother Dave. Let's stand in honor of God's Word as we read from Luke chapter 15. You have to understand the context of this. The whole chapter is about God trying to reach and find lost things. There's three stories here that Jesus gives. A lost coin, which was actually a family heirloom a lost sheep, and the shepherd left the 99 to find the one sheep. And now this story that we call the prodigal son, and I will just read beginning at verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. 
May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word and give us understanding. Amen? Amen. All right, you may be seated. I could say so much about the context of this passage, but because of time, let me just tell you a little bit of sto- a little story to prepare your heart to receive the extravagant love of the Father. When I was a little guy, we were raised poor, three boys. I was the middle one. I got the hand-me-downs from uh, my older brother, and I picked on my younger brother, but then he got bigger than me, and I'm the small one of the three, and I couldn't do that anymore. And uh, We were raised uh, in very simple life. My dad was a common laborer, never finished the sixth grade, and uh, never had a television till we were, I was a junior in high school, and, and so we would sit around and listen to the radio in the living room. And uh, often I would fall asleep on this old couch. And my dad would pick me up. He wasn't a big man, but he was a strong man. He played in a farm team for the Chicago Cubs. He was a professional boxer. And uh, he was just a strong man. And he would pick me up and carry me up the steps and put me in bed and tuck me in and kiss me on the cheek and pat me on the forehead. And he would say, I love you, my middle son. And there were times that I would fake being asleep because I wanted to experience my strong dad and his strong arms slipping underneath me and picking me up and carrying me up the steps, putting me in bed, tucking me in, kissing me on the cheek, patting me on the head, and saying, I love you, my middle son. Do you believe that God loves you? You don't need to answer that question. Do you believe that Father God loves you? I know you do intellectually, but often there is a gap between our head and our heart. Have you experienced the extravagant, amazing, wonderful, without limits love of our Heavenly Father? There is nothing you can do to earn his love. There is nothing you can do for him to stop loving you, to accept you. Every parent here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This God that we serve is expressed through this trinity of persons. And I want to illustrate that relationship with three doors. Door number one, it begins when we meet Jesus. We repent of our sins. We are born again. Door number two, it continues when we are Holy Spirit baptized. And door number three is a revelation of the Father's love. I don't have a memory of salvation, but some of you do. I certainly have a memory of my spirit baptism. So you and I need a distinct memory when the Father's love becomes real to us. What do you think of when you hear the word Father? What thoughts come to your mind when you hear the word Father? I believe with all my heart that God wants to become the father that perhaps you never had. Jesus gives us forgiveness. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness. And our heavenly father is our source of identity. 
Ephesians 3.17 says we are rooted and we are grounded in God's love. Our text is generally called the parable of the prodigal son. But it would be better to call this the parable, the narrative, the story of the extravagant love of the heavenly Father. Notice verse number 20 in your devices, in your Bible. It says, while this wayward son was a long ways off, the father saw him. The father was longing for him. This shows us the father's great love. He was waiting for his son to come back home. He was praying and yearning and longing for him to come back home. It also says in verse 20, look at it. He had compassion and he ran. He cast aside, he threw aside the cultural norms of that time because running was considered undignified for an older person and a person, a wealthy landowner like this man. And it says in verse 20, that he kissed him. That literally means he fell upon his neck and he embraced him firmly. Look at verse number 22. He said to his servants, bring a robe, put it on him. Bring a ring, put it on him. Put sandals on his feet. And all of this meant that he had been reconciled and he was welcomed back in the family. He was where he belonged. And then I love verse 24 because I'm Irish they began to celebrate. And that is exactly what God does when you take a step closer to Him, when you desire more of Him, when you worship Him, when you get out of bed and get ready and come to church and don't say, I'm going to stay at home in my PJs and watch it. God forgive us. Do you understand that your worship, your service to God It makes him joyful and happy. Let me tell you what God thinks of you. Put that next scripture up on the screen. This is a marker in your Bible. This is a marker in your device if you know how to do that. Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord, your God in your midst, the mighty one, he will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Do we have any newborn parents here? Any, um, no, not newborn parents. I mean parents who have newborn babies. Do we have any parents here that have, how, how old is your precious baby? You're due in May. Wow, 15-month-old. Make it May 26. That's when my wife and I got married, okay? So when that first baby was born and every born after, everyone born after that, Mr. Youth Pastor, did you hold that precious little thing in your arms and did you start making up silly Larry songs? What was that series called, that cartoon series? That, yeah. And you were like a singing pickle. You were like a singing apple. I put all kind of weird songs together. My wife would say, that's not the way that song goes. You're singing part of one song, part of another song, part of a third song. I said, I don't care. I am so in love with this child. And listen, those of you that are grandparents, that's when you got a double dose of silliness. You went from being a parent to a grandparent, 
And it's like something, a Disney magical moment took place in your spirit, in your heart. And it's like this is the best kid in the entire universe. They come over to, listen, when I started babysitting our first grandchild, my daughter called me after a few times and said, Dad, it takes me three days to detox her after she's been with you. And I said, I'm doing my job. The first time I watched her all by myself. I mean, our daughter wrote everything out. My wife coached me on it. The first time, I, I don't know how you women do it. I was on an airplane coming back from somewhere, and this woman gets on. She's got a baby here. She's got a baby back there, and she's got three kids walking next to her. And two of them sat next to me, and they sat over there. And I said, ma'am, are these all your children? She said, yes. I said, you are the Wonder Woman. A man could never, ever do this. I'd taken my 18-month-old granddaughter on a trip, and my wife and my daughter had everything listed, coached me on everything. I did the best I could, but it wore me out, and I was nervous the whole time. The first time I babysit her, I said, okay, now, you know, what do you do? And my wife said, well, you know, I take, him, I take her to McDonald's, and then she plays on the playground, and, and, and then she began to describe to me all the options that I could do with Reagan Jean. And, and one of them was to go swimming, and the other one was to go to a, a little uh, kid's museum in normal Illinois, and another one was to go to a department store where she would play with this train set, and another one was to go to a mall where she would ride on what she called the Wii, the, mer- the, the merry-go-round. And so, man, I get up early. I'm checking everything over. I make sure I got it all together, and I'm so excited. It's the first time that I'm going to babysit my granddaughter for a whole day. And, and so, man, I'm so Taking, I take her to McDonald's. She plays in the playground. I, I take her to the swimming pool, and she swims. And, 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 and my wife calls me, and she goes, how's it going? I'm like, how do you keep her awake between the different activities? And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, you know, she started falling asleep after the second one, and then she's falling asleep after each one of them, and so I had to kind of cut the last activity short. She goes, you silly man, I only take her to one or two things. You took her to all five things in one day. And I would sit in that rocking chair, and I'd sing in my prayer language to her, and I would, listen, do you understand When you make an attempt to get to know God better, you read his word, you spend a little bit of time in prayer, you try to serve him, do you realize that he is singing over you and you are filling his heart with joy? Let me ask you again. Do you believe the Father loves you? Have you ever experienced that love? Psalms 23, 5 If you would put that up on the screen, David says, and he was prepared in the wilderness in difficult times. He said to the Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now, I know that the table that David was talking about was a table rock like what you see out west in Wyoming and in South Dakota. I understand that. And the shepherd would go up there ahead of time and make sure there were no predators up there and there were no poisonous weeds and would clear a place for the sheep to sleep at night. I understand that 
contextually, that's what that was talking about. But would you pleasure me a little bit this morning on this special Sunday where the men of this church got together and experienced God in such dramatic ways. Most people do picture themselves sitting at a table. David wrote this, this wonderful psalm when he was experiencing great rejection in his life. He was tending sheep in the wilderness. It was there that he was trained through revelation. And he discovered that there's a table the Father has prepared for his children. Would you picture yourself sitting at a big table with all of your favorite foods? Corn on the cob. Thinking of summer. Fresh green beans. I'm still thinking of summer. Fresh tomatoes that the juice just flies everywhere when you cut into them. Cantaloupe, watermelon, the best fried chicken, better than Cane's, certainly better than Chick-fil-A that you've ever had in your entire life. Mashed potatoes with white cream gravy on. Would you picture the apple pie that your grandmother used to make and the cakes that your mother made? Would you picture your favorite foods on that table? Have I made you hungry yet? Do you see it? Now would you picture yourself setting in one of... Well, that sound man's back there with his head back like this, picturing all that food. He's like, yeah, bring it on, preacher. <laughs> Would you picture yourself sitting in one of those great, big, huge Victorian chairs? And there's velvet on that chair. Do you see it in your mind's eye? And on the top of that chair, your name pronounced right. Nobody here's ever had anybody trouble, anybody having trouble pronouncing your name, right? Boer, Bauer, Bauger. I mean, nobody's ever had any of that kind of trouble. And it, it's spelled right, and it's in, engraved in gold. You belong at that table. You have a place at that table. There are amazing things that God has prepared for you. Provision for loneliness. Every human being goes through loneliness at different times in life. And that's why as a single person, you have to find contentment in the presence of the Lord. If you don't, you're never going to be happy just because you get married. Because marriage is not a cure for loneliness. Only the presence of God sitting at the table of the Father can take care of that loneliness issue deep down in your soul. There's provision on that table for anxiety and stress. And the cure for all of that, our society, more young people are anxious about the future than ever probably in the history of the Western world. The cure for all of that is sitting at the Father's table. There's provision for your future, for your dreams, your visions, your plans, the destiny that the Father has for you. Are you getting anything out of this? I want you to understand that your ability to receive from the Father, it corresponds to your perception of the Father's love. In other words, your ability to receive, 
to be full of the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to hear the voice of God. Your ability to receive is equal to your image of the Father's love. Remember I said, picture yourself at the Father's table, and that guy back there was just chomping right there. He was just chomping sitting at the Father's table. Now would you look across the table. As you look at the Father, what expression do you see on his face? Is there a scowl? Are his arms crossed? Is there a disinterested gaze upon his face where he never asks you, how did your day go? What was good about your day? What was bad about your day? Is there a look of affirmation? Is, there a, a, is he smiling? Is his arms wide open? Are they wide open to you? Or is, this, is there this look of distance and non-engagement? Does he look angry? Is he blank? Is he disengaged? Psalms 34, 8 is a wonderful verse. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you're going to experience his extravagant love that will keep you no matter what goes on around us, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to smash and destroy any distorted images you have of the Heavenly Father. Perhaps because of an earthly father, who never complimented you, would look at your report card, all A's and one B, and he would say, why did you get a B in that subject? Perhaps a father that was mean like Brother Dave's father, who never said to you, son, daughter, I love you. Perhaps never picked you up and carried you up the steps and tucked you in bed and patted you and kissed you and said, I love you. Perhaps they didn't know how to do that. Some people see God like a Santa Claus. He's a God of performance. If you perform right, if you're nice and not naughty, he'll give you stuff. Listen, the love of God, the love of the Father does not depend upon your performance. Of course, we need to do right and live right. But you've got to go from earning the Father's love to learning the Father's love. Everybody say amen on that one. You got to go from trying to earn the Father's love to learning the Father's love. Some people see God as harsh and mean. He's a grouch. He's a killjoy. He's no fun. Some people see the Father, the Heavenly Father, as disinterested. Why would He care about me and the little details of my life? Some see Him as a fault finder, a perfectionist. Maybe your parents were or are, but God's not. They see Him as an angry judge. They see Him as a control freak. They see Him as just a being of rules and regulations and outward performances, religion. It's so good to be reminded that God is not pleased with our outward performances. How much money you have, how much education you hold, 
how much, what position you have, the size of your business, the size of your ministry. Jesus made it abundantly clear. He even said to the religious leaders, you look good on the outside, but your hearts are not right. You're inside. You're like a whitewashed sepulcher. Your inside is full of dead men's bones. Are you listening? You need to experience the Father's love. Just like the prodigal son did in our text. And it absolutely changed his life and his future. And if you'll open up your heart and open up your mind and open up your life and experience the Father's love, it'll change your past, your present, and your future. When I held my first child in my arms, my son James, I caught a glimpse of what the Heavenly Father feels as He holds us in His arms. And when our daughter Stacy came along two years later, and then my grandchildren, our son was born with a deficiency and they had to put him under what was called the Billy Rubin light in those days. And I was just a young guy, 21, 22, and just standing outside crying. I told the men at the men's retreat when our granddaughter was born, our first one, she had all kinds of complications. By the time she was five, she had eight surgeries. I was there for every one of them. And she was in intensive care. They wouldn't let anybody in but the parents, and I pulled the clergy card. I said, yes, I'm Reverend Gary Grogan, and the Sikorsky family has asked me to come and pray over their baby. And I got all robed up, masked up and everything. And I went in with the clergy visitor's card. And I would have given anything to change places with her, to change places with my son. I put my hand out there to pray over her. And she miraculously reached up and grabbed my little finger. I experienced how God feels when you come into his presence and you say to him, I want to be closer to you, Lord. I'm fleshly, I'm weak. I don't understand the Bible very good, but Lord, I want to be closer to you. And he reaches up and he grabs you and his love explodes for you and over you and he sings over you. There's not a parent here there's not a grandparent here. You wouldn't, you would be willing to do anything for your children. You'd give them your lungs, you'd give them your kidneys, you'd give them your heart. You would do anything for that son or that daughter. Nothing could keep you from loving them, even if they went and did a life of crime. Some people go the wrong path and they end up committing murder and the parents are there and the grandparents are there and that child is sentenced to life in prison or they're sentenced to death by that state. And some of, some of us watch those videos as those parents and grandparents scream out and we're disgusted with it. And I'm not excusing anybody taking another person's life, but I understand the love of a parent, the love of a father. When you experience the father's love, Sometimes there's an overwhelming sense of peace. 
you experience incredible joy. You might laugh, you might cry, you might weep, you might sob. There's such a sense of safety in the Father's love. You find your identity in his love. You're rooted and grounded in his love. You're like a strong tree. It doesn't matter what storms are coming. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how hard the winds blow. You know that your heavenly Father will protect you. He will provide for you. We do suffer in this life, but when you have a revelation and experience of the love of the Father, you know that he will take care of you. I'm asking you to open up your heart. I'm asking you to ask the Holy Spirit to correct distorted images of the Father and experience this extravagant love like our Heavenly Father wants you to and like the prodigal son did. And he arose and came to his Father. That's what you've got to do. I'm going to ask the band to come. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck. He said to them, bring the, the best robe, put it on him, put the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here, kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Would you stand with us please? John 3.16 shows us our Father's sacrificial love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Apostle John in 1 John 3.1 shows us because of the Heavenly Father's love, we are called his children. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it does not know him. Because of our Heavenly Father's love, He leaves the 99 for the one, and that's you and me. What do you think when a man has a hundred sheep, one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the 90 and 9 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? Go ahead, band, if you could go ahead and start softly playing. And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over 99 that did not go astray. Even so it is, even so it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Matthew shows us in his gospel that the Heavenly Father is the one who gives us good gifts. What man is there among you if his son asks for a bread? Will he give him a stone if he asks for a fish? Will he give him a serpent if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children? How much more will your Father who is in heaven good give, give good things to those who ask him? Our Father even knows before we ask what we need and I don't understand the timeline but Matthew also said in Matthew 6 8 therefore do not be like them don't be like the world for your heavenly father your father knows the things you have need of before you ask it is our heavenly father that gives us his holy spirit if you love me keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. And Paul said in Romans 8, 15 and 16, that our Heavenly Father's Spirit testifies to our spirit that we belong to him. For you did not receive the spirit of adoption again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom 
we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit we are children of God. How great is the love of our Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.